Jonah chapter 2. By now you should be familiar with where to find this book. We've been in it several weeks now. Jonah chapter 2, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, and I want to talk to you from the thought break point. Break point. Look at your neighbor and say break point. We have been studying the book of Jonah where he has been teaching us about callings, callings. If you want to know about the call of God or assignments of God, Jonah is a good place to start. In the book of Jonah, he talks to us about being called by the Lord. And I want to clarify something as I get started this morning. When I use the word calling, I'm talking about an assignment. A calling doesn't necessarily mean your occupation or what you do. A calling is any assignment or anything that God tells you to do. So your assignment does not necessarily mean being a Sunday school teacher. Your assignment may be being a husband. That's your assignment. That's what God has called you to do in this season. Your assignment may be singing in the choir. Your, your assignment may be ushering. Your assignment may be when you go to work tomorrow that God wants you to speak to someone and tell them about Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean something overly spiritual. It just means something that God has tasked you to do, something that God has asked you to do. How many know that if that's an assignment, then all of us have an assignment every day, right? Every day, God is asking you to do something. In the book of Jonah, the assignment or the calling that God asked him to do was to go to the nation of Nineveh and to cry out to them. That's what we've been talking about here in the book. It was his assignment. Don't get caught up in his calling like it's some super spiritual thing. It's just what God asked him to do. God asked him to go to Nineveh and to cry out against this city and to tell the city about their wickedness, all of the things that had come before God. And when Jonah heard the assignment, Jonah decided that he didn't like the assignment. Anybody ever been there that God has asked you to do something that you did not particularly like or want to do? I think most of us can relate to that. God asked him to do something, and Jonah decided that he did not want to do it. And so the text in chapter 1 tells us that instead of going to Nineveh, he decided to get on a ship and go west. Nineveh was in the east. He went 2,200 miles out of the way, all to run from the plan of God. And I find it ironic that Jonah's rationale for why he did not want to do what God told him to do is so mixed up. Because the Bible tells us that the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh was because he didn't like the people. And the reason why he didn't like the people was because Nineveh, the, Nineveh was the capital of the, 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 the nation Assyria, which was Israel's arch enemy. But then the second reason he didn't want to go was because Nineveh was a very wicked people. The people there in Nineveh was very sinful. They, the Bible says that they were wicked and their wickedness had come up before God. But listen, listen to this. Wickedness if you were to define it, it's simply just disobedience to what God says to do, right? Nineveh is living in a way that's contrary or disobedient to what God has told you to do. And Jonah didn't want to go to them because they were wicked not doing what God told them to do. But when you think about it, think of how ironic it is that Jonah, when he decided not to go, was no different than the people in Nineveh. He really was no better than they was. The moment God asked him to do something and he decided he didn't want to go, he was just as wicked as they were. That's why the Bible tells you to be careful when you start judging other people. Come on, somebody. Because often the thing that you judge other people about is the same thing that you're guilty of. Listen, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, 
For in whatever you judge another, what? You condemn yourself. Why? For you who judge practice what? Now, here was the thing. Jonah thought that he was super spiritual because he wasn't doing the things that they were doing in Nineveh. But as far as God was concerned, you might have been doing the same things that they were doing, but your attitude was exactly the same as theirs. Come on, somebody. So be careful who you judge. So the Bible says that God sent him there and Jonah decided that he did not want to go do the assignment that God has told him to do. And because he didn't want to go do the assignment, the Bible says that God sent a storm. I'm just reviewing that God sent a storm to correct him. It's almost like you tell your children not to do something. They don't do it. And then you you bring out that belt and you give them a spanking. Well, the Bible says that God sent a storm. It's important to note that the storm was not natural. It didn't just happen because of nature. The storm didn't happen because the devil sent it. The Bible says that God sent the storm. Amen. And it was God who was punishing him. And the reason he was punishing him was because Jonah was being disobedient and not doing what God had told him to do. Now, watch this. In verse five, we were introduced to a group of people called the mariners or the sailors. And these sailors were trying to help Jonah get from one destination to another destination. They were helping him to move from Joppa all the way to Tarshish. And what you find out is we learn some valuable lessons about when you try to help somebody who is rebelling against the will of God. And I want to review these with you quickly. Number one, when you help someone who is knowingly rebelling against the command of God, the storm that is meant to discipline them will also discipline you. We talked about this last time. The storm that's meant to correct them, you have to remember, the storm was sent not for the sailors. The storm was sent to correct Jonah. And in the process of them trying to help Jonah, they were actually assisting him in his rebellion. And the storm that was sent for him actually started coming on them. Watch this. Number two, we learn that nothing will ever change. And this is for somebody. Nothing will ever change. You can give all your money, your time, your resources. You can give away everything that you want, but nothing will change in a person's life until they come to the recognition that disobeying God is wrong and they need to change. You can give your money, your time. Anybody ever been bailing somebody out and you keep bailing them out and bailing them out and giving them more and giving them more? And the more you give, it just seems like the more they waste. Nothing will ever change until the person comes to admit that what they are doing is wrong and they need to change. Number three, we learn that people will not see their need to change as long as you keep bailing them out. Jonah knew, we looked at this, Jonah knew why the storm was there. He even knew how to stop the storm, but he never took any actions to do anything. Why? Because everyone else was preventing him from experiencing the storm that God has sent to get his attention. And you've got to understand that a person will never fully change as long as you keep bailing them out. As long as you keep paying their car payment when they keep messing it up, they're going to keep doing the same silly thing. As long as you keep paying their credit card off, instead of making them go through it, they'll never learn their lesson. Amen. And so as we end chapter one, I need you to come face to face with a very stark reality that many people may not want to accept. And I understand that when I preached this last week, some people didn't like it, but it needed to be said. And that reality is, is that the only way some people will change is if you throw them overboard.
I know that's not what y'all wanted to hear last week, but it's the truth. The only way some people are ever going to learn is if you throw them overboard. The only way you're going to get some of the pressure off, get your life back, get your groove on, start saving some of your money is if you start throwing some of them overboard. Do you remember we looked at it? Three things happened when they threw Jonah overboard. Number one, the storm immediately stopped. The storm that was causing all their problems, all their grief, the reason why they were throwing all this stuff off the boat, the reason why they were crying out to God, the reason why they were afraid and stressed out, soon as they got that Jonah overboard, it's amazing how things clean up. Anybody ever experienced that? The moment you get some of them, some Jonas out of your life, how things just get better for you? Number two, we recognize that when they threw him overboard, they were able to deepen their relationship with God. Do you remember at the very end when they got Jonah off, they made their vows, they offered their sacrifices. Some people believe that they actually got saved. Listen, the reason why some of us are finding it so hard to disconnect or to connect with God is because you're so disconnected trying to fix everybody else's problems. That's a word for somebody. The reason why you haven't been able to fully connect. Anybody, anybody been like that to where you've been trying to get close to God, but every time you get in there, it seems like it's just so much going on in your life, you just never can't connect? See, the moment they were able to get some of them Jonas out of their lives, it's amazing how things just clear up and you're able to see clearly now that the rain is gone. The third thing that happened when they threw Jonah overboard was that God was able to bring him to his breaking point which is what we're going to talk about today, his breaking point. Now, look at verse 17 as we continue to look. Verse 17, it says, after the mariners finally decided to throw Jonah off the ship, notice what it says. It says, God had prepared a great fish for him. Do you see that? It says that God had prepared. When they threw him off, not that God started to prepare not that God was thinking about preparing, but God had already prepared the fish. So watch this. The whole time they were on the boat throwing their stuff off, the whole time they were on the ship trying to save Jonah, God had the fish already swimming out there in the water. Watch this. So you know what was happening is all that time they were on the ship trying to help Jonah, they were actually preventing him from getting to the fish that God already had out there in the water waiting on him. Watch this. See, some of us, you think that you're helping, but in actuality, what you're doing is you're actually resisting and fighting the God that's ready to get them to their break point. Watch this. And that's why you stressed out. Because you're trying to prevent them from getting to the breaking point that God is saying, let them come on out here to me. And since you won't let them come on out to me, I'm going to make things hard for you until you can get to the point to where you recognize that you need to turn them up over to me. Watch this. It says that they threw him off the ship, and he was in the belly of the well three days and three nights. Now, let me first deal with the elephant in the room. I know most of you have heard Jonah and the, the story of the fish all your life, and the first thing that probably comes to your question is, well, it's impossible for a man to be in the belly of the well, right? Isn't that kind of ridiculous that a, a well would actually swallow up a man and he would actually live? Can I tell you something? What if I told you that that don't even have to be a miracle, that it's ha actually happened in real life? 
Watch this. In the, in the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, there is an article of a documented real case, and there's many of them, but I, I only chose this one, of it happening in real life. So here's what I'm saying. Many times you hear people say, the story of Jonah and the well is ridiculousness. It's foolishness. That could never happen. What well, science proves that it can happen, and it's in your Encyclopedia Britannica book. Go, get, go look it up. Go to the library. Look into the, this article. It says, on a voyage of the whaling ship Start of the East, uh, Star of the East, that was the name of the ship, which in February 1891 spotted a large sperm whale in the, vic in the uh, vicinity of the Falkland Islands. Two, bo two boats were launched, and in a short while, one of the harpooners was able to spear the whale. Those in the second boat attempted to attach a second harpoon, but the boat capsized in the process, and one of the men drowned. A second sailor, James Bartley, disappeared and could not be found. In time, the whale was killed and drawn to the side of the ship where it was made, eat, made fast and the blubber was removed. The next day, the stomach was hoisted on the deck. When it was opened, the missing sailor was found inside. He was unconscious but alive. Eventually, he was revived by seawater and after a time resumed his duties on board the whaling vessel. So science even proved that you can be in the belly of a whale and still survive. Come on, somebody. But how many know I didn't need that in order to believe the Bible? Because all I needed was the words of Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible says that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, but he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and Three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the, night in the heart of the earth. Listen, so, so let's just first get that out of the way. Jesus said it happened, and science says that it happened. So Jonah was in the belly of this well for three days and three nights. Now here's the question. Why did God prepare the fish for Jonah in the first place? He threw him in there. He threw him off the ship, and it says that God had prepared a fish for him. Why did he pre prepare the fish? Number one, a practical reason. The first one was because Jonah was out in the middle of the ocean. And even if Jonah was as super fit and strong as I am, even if he had muscles like me and the ability to do all of those different things, how many of you know that, that, that you can't swim in the middle of the sea to land? Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been on a cruise ship? You ever been out there in that water and you look out there over the bow and you're like, my God, this water is endless. It just keeps going on and on and on. Even if you in great shape, you can't swim to land. And not only that, the sun going to beam on you so much, it's going to burn everything out of you. Watch this. So the fish, for a practical reason, was a transport system to get him from where he was to where he needed to be. Come on. See, I like the way how Pastor John Jenkins said it. He said that, that, that the fish was an actual, was the first occurrence of an Uber. <laughs> he, he, said, he said it's the first documented uh, occasion of an Uber. You know what an Uber is, right? An Uber comes and gets you and takes you from one place to another place, right? So for a practical reason, 
the fish was to take Jonah from the middle of the ocean to where he was because remember they threw him off the ship and the ship left. How in the world is he ever going to get to land? But a second reason was because Jonah was running in rebellion. Watch this. And when the first storm doesn't teach you anything, he will bring another storm to get your attention. Watch this. And the second storm is what put Jonah on his back. Anybody ever had God put you on your back for something? Come on, somebody. Y'all, you know, God told you to do something. You didn't do it. You ran from him for a while. The next thing you know, you found yourself on your back. You thought that strain of your back was just an, a, a, an occasion. Oh, no, 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 no. You thought you losing that job was just an occasion. You know, God has a way to get you in a position to where even if you've been running and you won't listen, he can find a way to get you where he need to get you to where you'll listen, right? Jonah had to be in a position to where he had to stop running, and the whale put him in a confined place to where he couldn't run anymore. He had to be quiet, and he had to be still. But yet a third reason was, watch this, watch this, and this is probably the most important one. The third reason why God had prepared the fish was because Jonah needed, somebody say needed. Jonah needed a belly of the fish experience in order to break him and cause him to see his need to change. Watch this. See, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Some things some people learn quickly. Other things some people need a belly of the well experience in order for them to recognize their need to change. See, Jonah was a very stubborn person. Let me show you what I mean. Look there in chapter 2, verse 1, and notice what it says. The text begins with then. Do you see that? It says, my, my new king, it says then. Does your translation say that? Then. I, I want you to see how stubborn Jonah is. It says then. Then means that it's following something that preceded it, right? So what preceded it? You have to go back to verse 17, and it says that after Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, then, do you see that? Then he prayed. So after three days in the belly of the whale, then Jonah prayed. Now, think about this. You have to be pretty stubborn for it to take. Three days in the belly of the fish where it's smelly. Come on, somebody. It's wet. It's fishy. It's slimy. It's, it's seaweed. Everything, whoever knows whatever the Lord had in there, in the belly of the well before you pray to God. Now, you have to remember this is significant, right? Because Jonah never prayed to God. If you go back to chapter 1, Jonah's been running to God since the book was open. You remember? God came to Jonah and said, I want you to do something. Jonah said, I ain't doing it. He picked up and ran. And the whole part of the book, Jonah's been running. Do you remember even when the mariners came to him and they said, Jonah, pray to your God. Pray to your God. Maybe he'll have mercy on us and forgive us. Jonah hadn't prayed to anybody. And now all of a sudden you get to chapter 2, verse 1, and Jonah decides that he needs to pray. What in the world could make a man decide that I'm tired of running and I'm tired of not praying to God? What in the world can bring a person to their need to where they see they need to pray? Look there in verse 2. It says, I cried out by reason of mine. Anybody hear that? 
He said, I cried out by reason of my affliction or because of my affliction or because the pressure is on me uh, because I'm stuck because I'm feeling the effects of the storm that was sent for me because nobody's bailing me out anymore everything that God has sent for me I'm getting the full brunt of it watch this see as some people here's the thing some people will never learn their lesson until they get the full brunt of what God has for them watch this Some people will never learn their lesson until they go through some affliction. See, I know some of y'all are like mothers, and you want to just take care of your children, and you want to save them for everything. But how many know that sometimes your children will never learn their lesson until they go through some stuff? I remember my son, TJ, was in the house, and you know they get these little balls, and he's bouncing this ball in my house, and it's one of them real bouncing ones. And I told him, I said, Boy, you better stop bouncing that ball in this house. That thing going to bounce up and break a window or something, and I'm going to have to break. I said, I'm going to break your window. And, you know, kid, they, they don't always listen, right? So he bouncing that ball. I said, son, put that ball up now. I leave the room. This joker, they had, a couple days later, he in there bouncing the ball, bouncing the ball, bouncing the ball. That ball bounced up and knocks that balance off my window. I say, uh, son, come here. Let me talk to you for a minute. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't mean to do it. I said, oh, I know you're sorry. I said, that's going to cost you $50. $50? $50? I said, yeah, I'm going to have to take that out of your bank account. What? What? You want to take $50 from me? I said, son, how many times did we talk about this thing? How many times did I tell you to stop bouncing that ball? Well, yeah, but you, I thought you were going to take care of it. I said, aha. Aha. There it is. See, as long as you keep bailing them out, they never learn their lesson, right? And there are some people in your life, you got some Jonas in your life that I know you love them, you're trying to protect them, you're doing everything that you can, but here's the thing. They will never learn, they'll never grow up as long as you keep bailing them out. Now, let's move on from that. Jonah is now in a position to where he's in the belly of the whale. God has him exactly where he wants him. He's going to discipline him. And as we go through the rest of the book, it's about Jonah being in the well and all the stuff going down to the bottom of the water so forth. The question that I want to use with the remainder of my time is, is how do you get out of the belly of the well experience? Watch this. So, so the question is, if, if you've been running from God, if God has told you to do something and you've been disobedient, and now you're in the storm. Now you're, in, you're facing the consequences of because you've been disobedient. What do you do when you get in that situation in order to get out? Anybody want to know? Oh, I guess we don't even know. We can just close right now then. Let's go ahead and close. Okay. What, what, what do you do? How do you get out? Number one, the first thing Jonah did was he prayed. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to pray. Watch this. Listen to me. If, if you're that person that I'm speaking to this morning and you're in a storm, okay, maybe it's your marriage that's in the storm. How many of you know that even in your marriage, God has an assignment for you to do? He will tell you things that you are to do. Husbands, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, how many know that even though you know God said do that, how many know that sometimes we run away from what God told us to do? Wives, submit to your husband. I heard one amen. Okay, praise God. 
Wives, submit to your husband. That, that's an assignment. If you are a wife, that's your assignment. Uh, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor mean everybody, right? Okay, that, that's an assignment. But how many of you know that, that when God gives you assignment, you don't always keep it, right? So the question is, when you don't obey, there tends to be a storm. There's a consequence. So what do you do when the storm of the consequence comes? The first thing you do is you pray, right? When you look in verse 1, the first thing Jonah did when he wanted to get out of the belly of that fish was he prayed. Here's the thing. He had to first want to get out in order to get out. Watch this. What often determines the length of how long you're in your storm is you. See, watch this. Some of you, 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 you've been fighting in this situation that you're in for so long. You're trying to figure out how in the world or why isn't the thing changing. What determines how long you're in the storm is you. Let me ask you a question. How many days was Jonah in the belly of that fish? Are you sure? How many days does it say? Three days, right? Not five days, right? Not seven days. He was in there three days. Here's the question. Why did it take three days for Jonah to get out of that fish? Think about it. Why did it take Jonah three days to get out of that fish? Why didn't it take him one day? Why didn't it take him two days? Why didn't it take him a day and a half? Do you know why? Because it took three days for Jonah to get to the point to where he recognized his need of change. It took him three days to get to his breaking point. It took him three days before he got to the point to where he recognized that he was disobeying God. And in order for his situation to change, he needed to change. Come on, somebody. Listen. And God will leave you in your storm until you get to your breaking point. See, some of us, your storm ain't changed because you ain't ready to change. Boy, I know, I know I'm going to get on amen. See, it's amazing how we shout at the wrong time. The, the reason why your storm ain't changed is because you haven't been ready to change. Anybody know that when you're really ready to change, stuff changes? See, everybody talking about they want to change in their life, but you don't want to do the things necessary in order to change. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. See, when you really get ready to change, you don't need nobody to prompt you or motivate you. You start taking steps on your own to get out. See, and it took Jonah three days before he got to that point. He was three days in that stinking, sweaty, nasty fish before he got to the point where it's like, you know what? I can't handle this anymore. I need to do something differently. Here's the question for you. How long is it going to take you before you get to your breaking point? Listen, because here's the thing. He could have got out in one day. I don't believe he had to stay in there in three days. Watch this. The reason why it took him three days was because God was waiting on him to get to the point to where he would recognize that he's not God. God was waiting on him. It's not that, 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 that he was waiting on God. God was sitting there waiting on him to get to the point to recognize that you are disobeying something that I told you to do. And I tell you what, I'll let you go ahead and keep doing it your way. And when the pressure gets on you enough, anybody ever been that way to where when the pressure gets on you enough to where you realize that that's something different that I need to do? So here's the thing. The first thing you do is 
You need to pray. What do I need? What do I mean by pray? I don't mean when I say pray, uh, thou knowest, holiest, holiest God speaketh to me, Father, in the name of Jesus, and, and all that type of stuff. Praying is just talking to God. So in other words, instead of running from God, any, anybody know that sometimes God will speak to you, but you won't talk back? Some of us in here right now, you know God has been speaking to you about something you need to do. And you know what you're doing? You're running. Um, sometimes you could even talk to God, but you won't talk to God about what really need to be talked about. Man, y'all ain't giving me no amens this morning at all. You know that you and Pookie shacked up, but you coming to God talking about blessings and a new job and this and all these other things, and God trying to bring you back to say, hang on, wait a minute, I, I hear all that, and I can get you all this, but what about this? Well, God, I don't really want to talk about that right now, but your attitude is a mess with your husband. Oh, God, I don't really want to talk about that right now. Let's, let's just keep praying about my healing, but, but your boss is terrible towards your attitude. Oh, oh, God, just give me another job, and I won't have to deal with that boss. No, 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 no. You got to deal with the thing first that God wants to talk to you about. First thing is, when you recognize that you're being disobedient, the first thing is just to go talk to God. The second thing that Jonah did was he humbled himself and he prayed. He humbled himself. You have to humble yourself and repent for not doing what God told you to do. Here's the thing. The first thing is you need to pray and talk to God. The second thing is to humble yourself and repent for what you haven't been doing. You know what the scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14? He says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. What does humble mean? Humble means you got to recognize that I'm God and you not. And, and when I tell you to do something, I know you think you hot stuff. I know you think that you got plenty of money and whatever it is. But when I tell you to do something, it trumps what everybody else says to do. He says, if they will humble themselves and then pray, I will hear, I will forgive, and then I will. But you got to be willing to humble yourself and say, God, I messed up. Stop avoiding them. Stop running from them. Stop acting like it didn't happen and just go ahead and humble yourself and repent. Anybody like that in your relationship to where? You don't really address the real issue. Come on, I wish I had a few married people that would be honest. You get in there, and, and, and something really not happened, but you talking like ain't nothing not happened. Boy, I see a few smiles. At least I'll give that. Wink your eye or something, let me know amen. I know your husband next to you don't want to say nothing. Just, just wink at me and let me know. The, somebody waving their hand, you better stop right there. You'll get in trouble. But we all have those moments to where you avoid the issue, and God says, stop running, humble yourself, and repent. The reason why you're still in the storm, remember, the storm is meant to drive you to change. Listen, wh why did God send the storm? Let's review. Why did God send the storm? 
He sent the storm because Jonah decided he didn't want to do what God told him to do. Watch this. And as long as Jonah was running from what God told him to do, he kept meeting obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Could it be that the reason why you keep having so many marital problems is because you keep doing what God told you not to do? Could it be that the reason you always broke is because you keep breaking God's financial principles? And now the storm that you're in is to try to get you to see that the way you're doing it, you can keep on going down that road if you want to, but I told you way back here what to do. So I tell you what, keep on going down this way, and at some point you're going to reach a breaking point. At some point, your credit card bill is going to get too high. Anybody ever been there? At, at some point, you're going to lose your job or something going to happen, and then you're going to recognize that if you would have just done it the way how I told you, and here's the problem. They talked about this in the first hour. When you click way down here, the problem is after you done messed up and done all this stuff, even though God forgives you, you still got to. See, some of us don't recognize all the damage that you're doing by being disobedient. Where's some of the young people up in there? See, see, remember, every time you sleep with Johnny, I know I'm going to get no amens, but I ain't saying it for the amens anyway. Every time you sleep with Johnny and you're not married, you recognize that you, God said, don't sleep with somebody unless you're married. Every time you do this, you know what you're doing? You're walking on down the way. And guess what? All of this ground, all of this territory, all of Billy, Bob, Johnny, Pookie, Raphael, uh, coming all the way down. I know I wasn't going to get no amens from y'all. Every last one of them that you've been messing around with, God says you're going to have to give an account for that. There's a consequence for that. Watch this. And the storms of being united with all his problems and all of his problems. The Bible says that every time you sleep with somebody, you become one with them. Not just one physically. You know it's right physically because if they got some, you got it now. But he ain't talking about just physically. You become one spiritually. So Raphael got an anger problem. This one got a lust problem. This one a sex, what do you call it, nymphomanic, uh, whatever it is, a sex addict or whatever it is, nympho, nympho or whatever it is. And then you get married and wonder why you got so many problems in your marriage. The storm is to drive you back to where you see you're violating God's command. Watch this. And Jonah, Jonah even tells you, look there in verse um, 8, maybe verse 8. And I, I know I'm getting ready to close. Look, look at verse 8. He tells you that when you violate God's command, you'll never win. Look there in verse 8. He says, he says um, there it is, those who regard worthless idols forsake their what? Now, you have to ponder that for a minute. He says, now, this, this is Jonah who's in the belly of the fish. He's still in there. He says, those who forsake or who, who regard worthless idols 
forsake their own mercy. Go to the next one. In the New International Version, look at how it reads. In other words, he says, those who cling, they hold on to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. What does it mean to cling to worthless idols? Idols can be anything. An idol is just anything that you look to replace God. It's anything that you look to that becomes as important to God. For Jonah, his idol was his will. For Jonah, it was what he wanted. That became an idol. And listen to what he's saying. He's saying anyone who clings to their idol, whatever it may be for Jonah, anybody who clings to their will forsakes their own mercy. Why? Because as long as he was clinging to what he wanted, as long as he was clinging to where I don't want to go help those people and I don't want to go do this, I want to do what I want to do. As long as he was clinging on to that, he would never get out of the fish. He had to, even though, watch this, even though the mercy of God was all around him, he was forsaking it by holding on to what he wanted to do. Watch this. And God's mercy is all around some of us in this room. But watch this. As long as you keep clinging on to what it is that you want to do, God can't bless you. And you miss it. So the first thing is, I get ready to go. First thing is, he prayed. The second thing is, he humbled himself and repented. The third thing is, it says that he gave a voice of thanksgiving. In other words, he praised God. He gave God thanks. Now, you may say that's a stupid thing for Jonah to do, to praise God. At that time, Jonah's thanking God, but he's still in the belly of the fish. He hadn't got out. God hadn't even said, I'm going to release you. Why in the world would you give God thanks and start giving him praise? That word there is the Hebrew word todah. It means to raise your hand in extension of praise. Why would you give God praise and you're still in the belly of the well? You know why? It's because God still allowed you to live and not strike you dead. Come on, somebody. Listen. Jonah lifted his hand and gave God praise because he says, even though I've rebelled against you, even though I've been running away from you, even though I've been doing everything contrary to what you told me to do, you still allowed me to see the error of my ways. And even if you don't get me out of it, I'm still going to give you praise. Do you recognize that every time we sin, you're supposed to die? I don't know. I don't think you understand that. Every time you sin, I said this at the home going, Romans 6.23 said, the wages of sin is, watch this, the moment you sin, you're supposed to die. You remember in the Old Testament, if they did the wrong thing, they touched something. See, you got to remember God is holy. The moment they touched something that they weren't supposed to do, instant death. See, and Jonah should have been dead a long time ago. Can I tell you, some of us should have been dead a long time ago. You should have had a heart attack a long time ago. You should have been divorced a long time ago. Watch this. Here's the thing. But you can still give God praise. Because, see, if he reveals to you where you're off, he still gives you the opportunity to repent and get it right. Watch this. That means you don't have to die and go over to the other side with stuff that you could have corrected while you were here. So you got to learn to give God praise. And then number four, go back and do what God told you to do. Do you see what it says there in your Bible? 
He says, I will pay the vow that I vowed to you. Watch this. So now Jonah has gotten to the point to where he recognizes that my way ain't going to work. He's reached that breaking point and said, God, you've been telling me to do something and I've been running. Now I have made the decision to go do what you have told me to do. Listen, and after he did that, after he came to that conclusion, what does the verse say? It says, then God spoke to the fish and the fish then vomited him up. Watch this. God could have spoke to the fish way back in verse 2. See, you got to learn your lesson. There are some things that God not going to let you get away with. Watch this. There's some things he'll let you get away with for so long, but there's something, has anybody ever experienced, some things God will let you get away with, but there's something you'll get smacked right quick. Watch this. And God ain't going to let you get away until you go back and do what he told you to do. Listen, you want to get out of that fish, go back and do what he told you to do. You want marital bliss? Go back and do what he told you to do. You want a better job? Go back and first do what he told you to do on the first job. You want a better relationship? Go back and do what he told you to do in your relationship. If you want a real man, do what God told you to do and dump Charlie. You should have jumped Charlie three years ago, and you're still hanging on to Charlie. Y'all know that's the truth. Some of y'all messing around with men, you know you don't need no spiritual insight on that. You know he's a. Isn't that what they call it? He's a loser. This is going nowhere. And you still clinging on. Listen. Then you wonder why you're depressed all the time. You wonder why you're unhappy all the time. Listen. You ain't going to never get past the unhappiness till you first go do what God told you to do in the first place. It'll be amazing what'll happen if you just trust God and do what he say do. If you want to get out of financial problems, just do what God tells you to do. Anybody in here a witness that God is a man of our God of his word? I can testify. If you just do what God says do, you get blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us wherever we're at on this journey. Some of us are in the phase to where we're trying to help people. And God, you know your people. We all just want to be a blessing. Nobody wants to see anybody suffer, especially somebody you love. 